0: Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River
1: Resort. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Friday afternoon, we have made it almost to the weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Show's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. What do you say we hit the ground running on this Friday afternoon? Let's do that right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet out in the desert. Hello, my friend.
1: Hey, Rich. Just another ho-hum week in college football, isn't it?
2: We finally got
1: the week with all
2: the marquee matchups, conference championship games, and they get started tonight. Before we go any farther, Bruce, tell everybody where they can find you and how they can get all of your great information each
3: week.
1: Thanks, Rich. Check us out online dot goldsheet.com. By the way, that new basketball issue is up there now. It comes out every Thursday. But football issue every monday and right now we got all these conference championship games plus a big weekend of nfl action that's up there right now at goldsheet.com new issue on monday the following week we start our bowl coverage that's all up at goldsheet.com my picks are up there they're also at Vegas Insider and donbest.com
2: pac-12 championship game seven o'clock central time five o'clock on the west coast my guess is and even though you don't have a southern california or a northern california team in it Pretty good crowd for this game tonight, maybe better than we've seen in recent years. Utah at 11-1, and Oregon at 10-2, and hanging in the balance for Utah, potentially a trip to the college football playoff. Utes are a seven-point favorite. What do you see in this game?
1: Yeah, I and mean, there will be. I mean, they've known this matchup for a few weeks, so the fan bases at both schools, which travel okay anyway, especially that Oregon fan base, they will, they've will. had time to prepare to get here, and they will be there uh, tonight. The number looks a little high to us, uh, though we ended up picking Utah in this game. I don't know that we would have done this a couple weeks ago. Uh, we didn't hear a lot of good things from Oregon. Really deflated after the Arizona State game, and that was a very flat effort against Oregon State in the Civil War last week. Usually, I mean, it's a big rivalry game. They were flat, and Oregon State didn't even have its starting quarterback, and the Ducks couldn't really shake them. Um, I, I think Oregon was a bit overrated this year, especially that defense early, when it was clamping down some poor offenses. A good offense has moved against Oregon. Now, Utah is a bully, and I don't think they're really as good as number five in the country. In fact, I don't think they should be ahead of Oklahoma, but we can talk about that later. But they are a bully. And uh, you look at. You ever talk to Kyle Whittingham? <laughs> I mean, you know, that guy's pretty scary when you talk to him. But uh, they might be able to bully Oregon tonight. It's a big physical defensive front. They hope to turn Oregon one-dimensional, make Justin Herbert beat him. Herbert has been a little more erratic than... Uh, Mario Cristobal would have liked and though Utah has a functional offense I think gets there tonight 34 20 our score forecast Utah that might set the Utes up for the final fourth. they get a little help on Saturday and we'll just have to see what happens.
2: I'm interested with that score prediction if you're more inclined to lean toward the over that's sitting at 46 in this game than maybe taking uh, taking the Utes minus the seven.
1: Well, uh, a couple thoughts. Um, apparently they're gonna have some weather up there tonight in Santa Clara. Okay. Uh, so that might be pushing the total down a little bit. Secondly, I mean Utah against these offenses that can't do anything; they just shut them down. I think you, Oregon's got enough pop where it can, uh, where it can score some points. A couple, of, you know, the games this year in the Pac-12. When Oregon played Washington, uh, when Utah played Washington, when Utah played USC, there were more points scored in those games. And, and I, I tend to think some of those low score lines were deflated because there's some bad offenses in the Pac-12. Uh, but these two are pretty good um and i think uh, they will score enough points to push that one over tonight
2: 11 a.m tomorrow in arlington number seven baylor number six oklahoma uh we know the story oklahoma led 28 to 3 in waco in the first meeting between these two teams or excuse me baylor led 28 to 3 oklahoma came storming back they won the ball game oklahoma nine point favorite is a different story this go around
1: well, I, I think the flow of the game will be different. I don't expect Oklahoma to fall back 28-3 uh, like it did uh, three weeks ago in Waco Rich. Um, and Oklahoma, you know, really, I think the turnaround happened at halftime of that game. Um, the, the, the Alex Grinch defense started to play better, carried through the next couple of games, including last week at Stillwater in Bedlam. They kept Chuba Hubbard, the nation's leading Ru- uh, rusher in relative check, and a pretty potent Oak State attack, didn't do much last week. So the defense is playing better. We know what Jalen Hurts can do with this offense. Kennedy Brooks is running back. He outgained Chuba last week, and he's putting up some big numbers lately. Oklahoma, I think, is, is getting shortchanged a little bit by the committee here. I'm curious what might happen if results fall a certain way this weekend. Listen, they have beaten Baylor and Waco. Uh, they have beaten Oak State and Stillwater. They beat Texas and Dallas. All three of those games are not were not in Norman, and they won. If they win tomorrow, they will have two over Baylor. By me, that's better than anything a Pac-12 team is going to have to offer. So yeah. I would think if Georgia loses tomorrow, uh, this is the winner here should get into the final four, especially if it's Oklahoma. Thirty-six twenty-three is our score forecast. Oklahoma, we think they get Baylor tomorrow. I'm not sure the psychology, uh, the psychological blow Baylor had blowing that lead a few weeks ago, they can recover from that in this one.
2: Let's go to the Liberty Bowl. 2.30 kickoff on ABC. You've got the added drama of Mike Norvell potentially going to Florida State, still in the mix for the old Miss job as well. These two teams met eight days ago, well, seven days ago, a week ago today, eight days from when they kick it off tomorrow. In that game, Memphis was a 14-point favorite. So Cincinnati covered, but Memphis got the win to get to 11-1 and and host this game. A little bit of a line adjustment this time. Memphis just a 9.5-point favorite.
1: Yeah, Rich, and that was a pretty good game last week. I mean, Cincinnati was a pretty good fight. And, um, you know, a quick rematch. Now, we did see this in Conference USA last year. It was a quick rematch. It was UAB in in Middle Tennessee. UAB got actually whipped in the first game, came back, switched quarterbacks, and won the rematch in Murfreesboro uh, last year in Conference USA. Uh, Sort of the same dynamics here, uh, although no switching quarterbacks for Cincinnati. Uh, Ritter played better last week. He, He has not had a good second half of the season. But, um, you know, he he did play better last week. But I, I think Cincinnati gave everything it had last week and fell short. Memphis is just too potent. They're pretty good versus the spread here at the Liberty Bowl. Yes, I do think Mike Norvell is, is going to move out to Florida State. If he does, he might do a Scott Bross and coach the bowl game, which would be the Cotton Bowl if Memphis wins. What is interesting here, just in case Cincinnati wins this thing, uh, and I think since he may get the Cotton Bowl, even if Boise wins its game against Hawaii later. So there's a lot of different moving parts here, but I think Memphis takes care of business and gets to the Cotton Bowl. 38-23, Tigers, Brady White and company get the points to win, and uh, we'll just stay tuned what happens to Mike Norvell in the next few weeks.
4: That would
2: get them to 12-1 and on the season, probably the biggest game potentially in the history of Memphis football. Let's go to Atlanta. I said yesterday there is not going to be a better atmosphere, a better environment for any football game that is played this weekend than what you're going to see with the LSU fans there, with the Georgia fans in their own backyard. Georgia trying to finally get one of these after falling short to Alabama the last couple of years. LSU a seven-point favorite, and there are a lot of people that are talking about Georgia's defense and the fact that LSU hasn't played a defense like this all year. But I feel like the flip side's true also in that Georgia has not faced an offense like this all season long.
1: Yeah, I think you're both right, Rich. And, uh, yeah, great atmosphere down there. Listen, our friends in Baton Rouge, Jimmy Ott and Charlie Hannigriff they were doing their show from the Hyatt Regency where we did the immediate days last year. So LSU fans are there in force. I know the Georgia fans will show up. Here's the thing about Georgia this year. I mean, it has turned in – this is like a throwback sort of a team, defense, running game. I don't think. I mean, I think Kirby knew he had a good defense. I don't think the plan this year was for this offense to turn into this ground and pound sort of thing. Um, it's just because Jake Fromm in the passing game never really took off this year, and maybe it was because Jim Cheney, the offensive coordinator, moved up to Tennessee. I don't know, but they never. It never really did. So it kind of evolved. And I don't think this was Kirby's plan, but it just sort of happened that way. Um, and that's what that's what the deal is uh, with, with Georgia. The receive he's got injuries at the receiver spots, too. So I'm not sure they're going to be able to step it up here and score enough points to keep pace. They will give Joe Burrow a bit of an argument, I think, and just like Auburn did in midseason and came close to LSU. So Georgia might hang for a while. I just don't think this offense has the extra gear in, place in case LSU hits the accelerator and moves out 10-14. I'm not sure Georgia can catch them. Uh, 37-23 LSU. We think they're going to pull away. Joe Burrow gets ready to celebrate the Heisman uh, next week, and uh, uh, they celebrate in Baton Rouge.
2: Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of drama left in the Heisman Trophy race uh, at this point. Let's do one more, one more college game. I'm, I don't care anything about the ACC game, but I sure am interested in the uh, the Ohio State-Wisconsin uh, matchup. Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis only got about a minute left. Wisconsin, they're getting 16.5 points in this game. That feels like a lot. A- am I crazy to like Wisconsin as an underdog here?
1: No, no you're, I mean, it does seem like a lot. And I remember, Wisconsin got knocked off its pins that midseason game against Ohio State the week before, losing that one to Illinois. Now, if they can get the running game going here and, and slow Ohio State down and keep the Ohio State offense on the field, they've got a chance. I heard Dan Deerdorf calling the Michigan game on the radio last week against Ohio State and he said the key for Michigan is keep the ball for a while, don't let that Ohio State offense back on the field. If Wisconsin can do that they got a chance. I'm not sure they can. This Ohio State loves to step on teams. They might just do it again cuz they like to run up scores. 38-16 Ohio State our score forecast, but there is an argument made for Wisconsin and we can understand that as well.
2: so you get uh, Ohio State covering as a favorite, LSU covering as a favorite, Memphis covering as a favorite, Oklahoma covering as a favorite, and Utah covering as a favorite as well. That's a lot of favorites.
1: Well, I'll throw a couple of dogs in there. UAB tomorrow, and uh, Louisiana Lafayette in the Conference USA and Sunbelt, respectively, tomorrow.
2: There we go. Thanks so much, Bruce. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. It's going to be a fun college football weekend. Have fun, Rich. That's Bruce Marshall. You can follow him on Twitter at Bruce A Marshall. Check out his work online at goldsheet.com. He's been at the Gold Sheet for a long time. That's a fun way to start the show. We'll take a quick time out, be back with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank understanding you. mississippi on this friday afternoon glad to have you along richard cross michael borky and brian scott Rippy. hey dad is out for a few more days taking a little vacation time toward the end of the year we talked college football with bruce marshall just a moment ago we're going to talk some nfl football as well with our good friend deuce McAllister from the new orleans saints radio network former new orleans saints running back all-American at Ole Miss. and uh, Let me ask you an Ole Miss question to uh, to start things off, then we'll get into the uh, Saints matchup with the Niners coming up this weekend. Uh, there's a lot of momentum in the direction of Lane Kiffin, Deuce, as the next head football coach at, uh, at Ole Miss. Uh, what's your reaction to that?
4: Let's just see, wait and see what happens. Uh, a lot happens between momentum and actually signing the contract. Let's put it that way and um i've met lane before i know obviously competed uh, and i know his brother chris i actually see chris this weekend because he's with san francisco but yeah. you know uh competed against his dad coach kiff and you know coach Bonnie. um so i've i've met the family uh and i and i know lane the job that he has done but you know obviously what people remember is you 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 look at you know the situation in tennessee you look at the situation at oakland and uh, you just wonder, you know, is, has there been growth for him and, and, and where he's at in his process? So um, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, obviously, you know, you hear some of the names that are that are out there. Uh, and, you know, the question is, what's the best fit for Ole Miss?
2: Yeah, and, and obviously Mike Norvell's name is, is out there as well, waiting to see what happens uh, at Memphis. Most people think he's going to end up at Florida State. I, I don't know if one of those options is better than the other. Um, think, thinking back kind of, never mind the way that he left places, but as an offensive mind, and just kind of from a coaching standpoint, what Lane Kiffin might bring to the table, pretty good reputation there, or is it kind of a mixed review?
4: No, I think, you know, obviously his ability to coach, that, that that's not questionable. I mean, that's not a question at all. It's it's more off the field. You know, it's more off the field stuff. And um, has he grown in that category? I think that's really where Keith and administration, you know, have to feel comfortable uh, in, in, in that sense. I mean, but his ability to coach and create offense and, you know, even to possibly put, put together a staff, I don't think you even question any of that.
2: Interesting, uh, interesting stuff. I guess we, uh, you, like the rest of us, will just kind of uh, wait and see uh, whether or not we get an answer on that tomorrow night, or if it's sometime into uh, into Sunday. You'll have a few other things going on Sunday as well. Big one, and a game that has been kind of circled on the calendar by a lot of people for a long time because of the trajectory of these two teams throughout the course of the year. Niners come in at ten and two. Saints are ten and two. Let's start kind of high level. Your thoughts on this matchup and and how big a game it is for both of these teams.
4: It's the playoffs. It is literally the playoffs in the regular season, and some teams have been in a playoff mode just to get to this point uh, already. And so for these two teams... They get to kind of see where they are, get a, an evaluation of each other, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, you know, I think both both fan bases they can't wait to Sunday. And if you're a fan, you're probably upset that it's at 12 o'clock and 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 not a three o'clock or even a night game here in New Orleans. Um, but hey, the NFL decided not to flex it and. Um, you'll, you'll go out and play, and uh, I'm intrigued by the matchups. You know, you talk about, and, and really this game is going to be a trench game. And when I say trenches, it's, it's uh, this is a football old, old old adage that whoever wins the trenches will win this game. And that that's what I truly believe in this matchup.
2: Any idea why the NFL didn't choose to flex this one to Sunday night?
4: Uh, Fox protected it. <laughs> Fox used to protect three games a year, and this is one of them they protected
2: it is a little surprising though that Fox would not have had this in a three o'clock time slot uh,
4: New England and Kansas City
2: there you go on the CBS side of
4: things there you go there you go okay so, so you can, got pre- how, so how can we maximize our revenue the best? Uh,
2: okay, it all makes sense now. When uh, it's one of those days where CBS gets the double header as opposed to Fox getting the double header, and you don't want to put those two games head to head with each other, I guess you know m- maybe your point about Saints fans being a little frustrated and Niners fans as well. But if you're just kind of a-, a-, a bystander that likes NFL football, it's kind of the best of both worlds because you get a marquee game at noon, you get a marquee game in the afternoon. And then you get Seahawks, Rams, and then a Monday night game that all of a sudden is a little more compelling because of a guy that you know well, Eli Manning, after being benched earlier in the year, getting to come back and uh, and get at least a start, but maybe a few starts to uh, uh, potentially wrap up the season.
4: No, and I, I definitely agree, and I think you know if you're, you're a Saints fan. And, you know, we have a lot of crossover fans as well at LSU where they're playing the SEC championship game. And a lot of those fans, unless they're taking a direct flight back to New Orleans or early that morning, they won't make Mm -hmm. both of them. You know, and if you're a family that's driving, it, it, you have to leave by two o'clock Atlanta just to get back to New Orleans in time for the kickoff. So that, from that standpoint, you know that that's the concern and worry from uh, New Orleans' perspective, just because uh, you have fans that are both uh, of the LSU Tigers and the Saints. But you know, outside of that, um, you're excited as an overall football fan, and then I think the matchups as far as the games and uh, it, it's an outstanding slate of games, and you know, I'm interested to see how Eli bounces back. And, I mean, we know that he hadn't been playing. He's been handling kind of the scout team stuff and handling, helping uh, Jones out, you know, as best as he can. But, you know, for him to get his opportunity and um, be able to, you know, potentially leave his mark the way that he wanted to, I know that he's looking forward to trying to do so.
2: Deuce, it's interesting. We look at college games all the time, and when you look at the point totals in those games, the over/under numbers. I mean, it's it's not crazy at all to see mid fifties, low sixties, sometimes even high sixties. I was looking at over/under totals, you know, point totals for all the games in the NFL. Every game that's going to be played on Sunday or Monday is you know predicted to be in the mid forties, and this game is no exception. Does that feel like the right number? I think forty-four and a half is where it's sitting right now. Two teams that have got good defenses, but two teams that also have shown the ability to be explosive offensively. How's this game going to take shape on Sunday?
4: And, and when you look at the overall, I mean, it's all open at three, I think three, and it's down to two and a half. And so right. you, a lot of people like the San Francisco team, which I, I definitely understand, particularly for the Saints. I mean, uh, the biggest question for those guys, can they get some of those banged up, hurt guys back? You talk about an Armstead. We know Pete won't be available. Armstead is going to probably attempt to play. Uh, he's coming off of an ankle injury. I know it was reported a high ankle. It's not truly a high ankle. So, I mean, that gives you a little hope in that sense because right now the Saints Saints have two backups in on the left side. Well, this is the wrong team to have backup offensive linemen in just because they can generate pressure with their front four. And so um, for this Saints team, they have to be able to run the football. It is imperative for them to be able to run the football just to be able to slow the pass rush down. You can't allow those guys to be able to just tee off on the quarterback uh, for 40 times. And so, Sean, I know it may not be pretty and it may not be the funnest thing to do, but Three, three yards is, is, is a plus. Three yards is a win against this team, and so um, you have to just be patient with, with with those yardage, and you know, hope that when you get a chance to take a shot, you can you can connect on it because that defense, you have to use some misdirection against them and use their speed against them, but you have to be patient running the football.
2: I know Alvin Kamara's found ways to affect games this year, but I'm still shocked when I look and see that he has only one rushing touchdown all season. Does that surprise you still?
4: Yes, it surprised me, but I'm not surprised that you know he's probably had at least two of them call back because of penalty. But I'm still surprised he only has one. And look, I know he's been banged up, you know, yeah. dealt with the ankle, dealt with the knee injury. But even in that sense, they've leaned on Murray a little bit more and Taysom Hill in the red zone. So uh, that's not necessarily 100% surprising. I think, you know, and, and Sean is still trying to figure out how the Heat wants to use him. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for them is to make sure that they're getting him the ball in space. You know, you have to make sure that you're still getting him in space. Yes, he's a capable runner inside, but I don't think that is his strength. And so continue to use uh, Latavius Murray inside, but make sure that you're getting Alvin the ball in space.
2: You talked about the need to run the football. We've got about a minute left. What's the most important matchup to watch in this game?
4: Can the Saints stop their run game? They had a lot of success last week, and you know I think some of that may have been weather as well. Uh, both teams played in that sloppy, nasty weather. You won't have that issue in the Superdome or uh, the Voodoo Dome. But can the Saints stop their run game? Will be the you know missing component because if they make uh, Jimmy have to throw the ball plus thirty times, I think the Saints will win.
2: Certainly going to be a lot of fun. No, it's going to be a a great atmosphere. I was looking at ticket prices. Talking like about one hundred and seventy-five bucks, the cheapest ticket to even get in the door, and that's uh, that's sitting up there next to you, just below the radio booth. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun on Sunday. Really appreciate your time, Deuce. Enjoy the weekend.
4: No problem. Thank you, Richard.
2: Deuce McAllister, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. He's the color analyst. Does a great job. Really fun listen with, uh, with those guys in New Orleans. Deuce joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out Favorites.com and go with the home team. A lot to get to this afternoon with you. Dallas Cowboys lost in Chicago, and Jerry Jones was so mad that he was cussing on a Dallas radio show. We'll get into that. We'll talk some coaching search stuff, some basketball. A lot to get to with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Stop
3: staring at your face.
2: Three state championship games happening today in Hattiesburg high school football in Mississippi. You've got three more tomorrow as well. They got started. I think 11 a.m. kickoff for Jefferson Davis County and Noxubee County. Jeff Davis County, the Jaguars beat the Noxubee County Tigers 25 to 15. So congratulations to Jefferson Davis County getting that first Golden Ball trophy. Uh, that was handed out this year. You've got a game going on right now at the Rock in Hattiesburg. Uh, Nanawaya leading seven to six over Lumberton. That is a first quarter score. And then tonight, Oxford is meeting Oak Grove in the 6A championship game. Three more games tomorrow. Corinth and Poplarville will play each other at 11 at three o'clock. It's Northside against Taylorsville, and then the nightcap, the 5A state championship game, West Point and Picayune. So two days of fantastic high school football. Uh, will East and Stephen Gagliano will join us a little bit later this afternoon in the 4 o'clock hour, and we'll talk more about the high school football stuff that is uh, is happening today in Hattiesburg. So Hattiesburg hosting uh, this year the state championship games. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and Brian Scott Rippey with you on this Friday We'll get to the NFL stuff in, uh, in just a second, but um, Rippy, today is a day that seems to be fairly quiet on the coaching search front. Um, you had a meeting yesterday in Boca Raton with um, Ole Miss representatives Keith Carter, Jimmy Sexton, who is Lane Kiffin's agent, and Lane Kiffin, uh, or at least reportedly that meeting happened uh, last night. There was a lot of plane tracking that was, uh, was going on and it appears as if Ole Miss is still waiting for an ultimate answer one way or the other from Mike Norvell, but right now, really all signs point to Lane Kiffin likely being the next head football coach at Ole Miss.
3: Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, be a little far, but sure. I mean, waiting on an answer from Mike Norvell, and obviously they met with Kiffin last night, but like you think it's a done deal?
2: Um, no, I don't think it's a done deal at this point. I do think the majority of the information is pointing toward Lane Kiffin getting the job. I think the majority of the information that out that is out there is pointing to Mike Norvell taking the Florida State job either tomorrow night or maybe Sunday morning. Is there something that you've heard or you think that?
3: Prohibits the deal getting done with Lane Kiffin. No, but if you look at the whole thing in its entirety, like there were what at least one, probably two candidates that, but Norvell aside, that he that Keith Carter seemed to, from sounds of it, initially preferred over Kiffin, that seemed to change as the week went on. But so you know, if Norvell goes another direction, I'm not saying I'm necessarily skeptical, but like calling it likely, I guess at this point seems a little bit strong just because there's. If you take Norvell out of it, there's one candidate that the thinking had to change on, and it wasn't Napier or anyone else.
2: Yeah. Borky, anything on your end? Uh, Nothing
5: more than I can add to that. But I mean, connecting the dots, your friends at 1037 The Buzz and Little Rock were spending all of their time this morning discussing the fact that Arkansas had moved on and are looking at other candidates aside from Lane Kiffin. And if that is true, and of course there's a lot of information that really isn't information uh, during coaching searches, but if Arkansas in fact has moved on, that may be a dot connected between that meeting that happened in Boca last night, uh, the four hours or so that the plane that everybody was tracking was on the ground in Boca, uh, maybe there was something that happened then that made them realize that they needed to move on and look elsewhere. That's just dot connecting. But um, I'm with you. I think that's what it sounds like. Uh, everybody that I have spoken to, and I'm probably not as source as you guys are, but that's kind of the feeling is that if and really when Mike Norvell decides it's Florida State, all signs point to Kiffin. And maybe that's not what happens, but that's certainly what it feels like for my end.
2: There are reports, if you're following this, and we've obviously talked about it and have covered it throughout the course of the week. The uh, uh, the guys, Neil and Chase, at rebelgrove.com have covered it in great detail throughout the course of the week. Same thing with the, uh, the Ole Miss spirit, uh, with, with Chuck and David Johnson and Ben Garrett. Um And if you've been following those reports, you've seen some discussion today that maybe there is a little, I don't know if disagreement is the right word, maybe that is the right word, um, among kind of the power players. Hesitancy may be a better word. Uh, And when I say power players, I mean, who, who are you talking about? You're talking about the biggest boosters. You're talking about Keith Carter as the AD, Glenn Boyce as the Chancellor, and then Whoever else that we're not putting a name on that might have significant influence, that maybe not everybody is sold on the idea of Lane Kiffin as the head coach, and so we will continue to watch that. Yeah, the
5: the thing is, that, there a coach they could hire that would have 100% everybody on board. That's what's kind of I've seen that stuff that
3: and, out there that probably less polarizing than Kiffin that would make it closer to that. Sure, if 100.
2: But, is that Mike Norvell?
3: Well, yeah, sure, but like, I don't think anyone in this oh. candidate pool is as polarizing as Lane Kiffin. Yeah, 100% agree close. with that.
5: But if people are talking about reservations about Kiffin and his personal life, well, it certainly seems like the number one candidate you should also have reservations about, unless those have just completely disappeared.
3: Does it have to just be personal life, too? Because his overall resume isn't exactly great. I'm not saying that I, I necessarily believe that because I think winning at FAU is important, and that's a hard job. But like overall resume, not great.
5: Is his resume better than a few good years at Memphis?
3: Yes, that's debatable at that point. I
2: think I think the answer is yes. He had a winning record at Tennessee, what won seven games, had an overall winning that record. Was one at, year, I understand that, but it's all that we've got to go on, and I'm kind of giving you the kind of the bio in its whole, at least as a college coach, had a winning record at Southern Cal in a place that has outsized expectations even when the roster is depleted and the roster was very much depleted at the time that Lane Kiffin was there.
5: He had to sign Um, classes of 15 players because of NCAA sanctions from the prior staff.
2: You better not miss if you only can sign 15 players on any of them. But... Even if you have a hundred percent hit rate, which nobody has in terms of recruits and their success on the field, still the numbers are going to be down and it's a challenge. So, and it's a challenge that has lingered. I mean, they've wanted to fire Clay Helton every year and have gone another year without doing that, despite going eight and four this season. I mean, it feels like Southern Cal probably next year. Is Pac 12 championship or bust? You know, worst case scenario, an appearance in the Rose Bowl for Southern Cal next year, but maybe needing to get into the college football playoff with the offensive talent that they've got returning. So, um, so we'll see on that front. Sports Talk Mississippi, the C Spire text line is open to you this afternoon. You, uh, want to jump in and chat with us? You can do so. 601 879 4395. Again, 601 879 4395. 4395. Great savings happening at Seaspire. If you're trying to uh, come up with some Christmas present ideas, there are a lot of different ways that you can save right now at Seaspire. Check them out online or visit a store near you. Seaspire Customer Inspired. Um, let's see here. Cody and Tupelo. Hiring Lane Kiffin is like hiring Chad Morris. He has a minus two coaching effect, according to CFB Matrix. College football Matrix. Um, what's the guy's name? Dave Bartu. Pacific, yeah, Dave Bartu up in the Pacific Northwest. And Cody says, don't do it.
5: Ted Morris um, had a, had a losing record as a head coach when Arkansas fired or hired him.
2: Yeah. Chris and Laurel says remember coach o looked like a third fourth or fifth choice a few years back look how that worked out maybe kiffin is not too bad of an idea here's here's the only thing that i would
3: it's not a bad idea it can be perceived as a risky idea is that i think what people are saying i don't think like i guess there's a faction of people that just are not open to it at all yeah i mean we've had two people
5: people two people have said he's chad morris 2.0 like
3: i don't get that comparison at all Morris, all he had going for him was being at Clemson before Clemson was Clemson.
2: Jason says, look, I'm no fan of Ole Miss. I'm firmly on Team Luke, but Lane Kiffin is a win for Ole Miss. To be fair, Tennessee was not crippled at that time he was there. Derek Dooley won
3: nine games, for example. In some really bad pants.
5: He took over he a team that went 5-7 like and seven the year before and won seven games the next year. I mean, that's
2: objectively And put together, a good job. what, the number two recruiting class in the country? Something like that. Oh, we get the uh, move on to something else, guys. There's other sports to talk about. It's a good thing we've got three hours this
5: year. You're afternoon. right.
3: I got the volleyball hot board. Stay tuned. Commercial break. <laughs> good Lord. There is, Stick um, to
2: sports when we're talking sports. That's a new <laughs> one. Scotty and Pontotoc says, come on, guys. You keep talking around it. Tell us who is the next coach at Ole Miss. Let me let me pull my crystal ball out, Scotty. I'll see if we can give you an answer when we uh, we come back. Sports Talk, Mississippi, in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Oh, uh. Ceasefire text line Robin Jackson. Guys, which Jake Leg national reporter tries to scoop the story during the championship games tomorrow and screws a guy with his current team like they did with Scott Frost? That's from Robin Jackson.
5: I don't know. <laughs> like, Pre-game speech is about to happen and players get the notification on their phone breaking
2: the 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 bigger story was tom herman when he was coaching at houston against memphis in well, that was the friday that was like the final day of the regular season the friday after thanksgiving but i think that story originated with was it Orange Bloods at Texas that threw it in there because it was the, the rumor was LSU was getting Tom Herman at that point? That was a mess. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, Casey chiming in said she wanted to check in on Rippy's finger. She hopes it's all better. Rippy, you showed me your uh, finger injury for the bandage you had on it today.
3: That's. Um, the bandage it's not, I had,
2: not terribly impressive. The bandage the, injury.
3: the bandage I had on it yesterday was due to a lack of bandages at my house, not the size of the uh, injury. You
2: had it wrapped up with like duct tape and
3: Whatever gets the job done. Something. Yeah. I would have survived the nineteen hundred early nineteen hundreds. Think so? Yeah, because I could have come up with all kinds of stuff.
2: You just told me if you look a little bit farther down on my finger with a microscope, you can see there's a pretty significant gash
3: there. I actually said two. See, right here. Not, not tough
2: guy. Not impressed. Did um, did you get any sympathy for your injury last night? No, not in the slightest. Laughed at? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What do you think the expectations will be for the new coach in his first year at Ole Miss, and what will be his timeline to get Ole Miss into national contention? That's Billy in Ocean Springs. Next year is look competent, right?
5: Look competitive. Look like you know what you're doing. Look like you belong. Play hard. Play hard. Look like you belong. And then year two is probably expectation going in bowl game, and then year three maybe a better bowl game. And it's a slow progression. This is, I mean, firing Matt Luke and hiring a new coach is not a snap-your-fingers national relevancy move. It is a the program is dying. People are checked out. We need to get some life back in this place.
2: Yeah. I agree with that. Jeff says I love following coaching surf- uh, searches. It was fun last night. Say what?
5: It was fun last night tracking planes and uh, I got a, a couple of buddies sending me pictures of uh Jimmy Sexton and Keith Carter getting into their cars after they got off the airplane like some next level creepy type stuff. It was wild.
2: I'm wondering when Keith Ca- uh, Carter gets his um gets his university vehicle. Like the uh you know, the brand new Tahoe or whatever it is that the AD gets to because he's he's still rocking his uh his Ford F one fifty, which I don't blame him for. In fact, if I were him, I probably would be saying, Yeah, thanks for um the SUV option, but could you get me another F one fifty? That that's the route that I'd be going if I were Keith Carter. Jimmy Sexton climbing into his uh Range Rover after uh they got off Sean Tui's plane. So
5: Yeah, those pictures were out there. I mean, I was up with my kid. Not a bad way to travel. I got one at like 145 in the morning. Like, I have an excuse for being up right now. My kid won't sleep. What the heck are you doing?
2: How about this from Quinn? Not an Ole Miss fan, but with risk comes reward. Hire him if you can. I I, I said to somebody earlier today, and I think I intimated this yesterday on the show, the, the, the possibility of a spectacular... Or spectacularly nauseating end somewhere down the line with Lane Kiffin is very much on the table. But to, um, to borrow a really corny Garth Brooks song, you'll like this, Rippy. Go, going to the, uh, the dance, the Garth Brooks song could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. I mean that's what you hope for right? I mean you certainly in a best case I hope for it scenario it goes exceedingly well and either Lane Kiffin coaches at Ole Miss for a decade and has lots and lots of success and then retires or he coaches for 3 or 4 years and has a lot of success and parlays it into a great big huge awesome job you know at a top 5 place that that's what you hope for but if it's going to end in Disaster somewhere along the way, you hope you had a lot of fun between the day he's hired and the day that it ends in disaster, if that turns out to be the outcome. And that's just kind of talking in real life terms because basically in college football, you either win a national championship somewhere or you get fired eventually. There are a few other options, but not many. You either win enough to get to stay in a place forever or you move on to another job because you wanted a really high level or you move on to another job or you retire because you didn't win at a high level enough. That's kind of the life cycle of uh, coaches right now in college football. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's talk some high school football. So for the guy that wanted us to talk about something besides a coaching search, we will do that next. State championship football happening. Got a game going right now. If you want to follow along with scores, you can do so at supertalk.fm slash scores. 25-15, Jefferson Davis County won earlier today over Knoxby County. Manoya leading right now seven to six over Lumberton. Actually, it's now fourteen to six in the second quarter. Oxford and Oak Grove coming up tonight. Friday afternoon with you, one hour in the books. We welcome you to the four o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi, brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. It's what they do, it's what they've been doing for a really long time, like over 100 years. So if you're a farmer in North Mississippi, with financing needs, or maybe you're looking to build a dream house in the country, or just buy a piece of recreational property, let Mississippi Land Bank help you out. You can find a branch location near you or grab the phone number off of their website, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Dad is off today. And we are now joined in studio in Jackson by Will East and Stephen Gagliano, Guys, we have crowned one champion already today, Jefferson Davis County, with a 25-15 to win over Noxubee County. Great way to start the uh, championship weekend. Nanawaya, uh, Nanawaya and Lumberton playing right now with Nanawaya leading 14-6 to over the Lumberton Panthers. They're getting close to
0: halftime. Uh, what's up, guys? Uh, championship football. It's... The great thing about Mississippi high school football championships is you normally get really good games. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of blowouts. I think I was telling Stephen that yesterday that I can't remember a whole lot of blowouts. If they do, I'm sure they happen, but for the most part, year after year after year, you get really close games. Uh, you know, in fact, a 10 point win like the one we had in 3A that's that, that's pretty much the largest margin of victory you'll see all weekend.
2: Stephen, what stood out to you in that 3A championship game earlier today
6: with Jefferson Davis County uh, winning over Knoxville County? I'm just really impressed with Jefferson Davis County and how quickly they've become kind of a powerhouse in 3A. This is, what, their third year as a school? Third or fourth year, yeah. Yeah, third or fourth year as a school, and this is already their second state title. So some schools have been around for a lot longer than that and have zero state titles. So it's impressive to see how Jefferson Davis County got this program moving so quickly yeah and they had this
0: is one of the more incredible stories of the years jefferson davis county as the mississippi farm bureau entrance company scoreboard show was coming on the air on october 11th three a's region eight standings looked like this you had in region eight you had three undefeated teams west marion columbia And McGee, Jefferson Davis County had just lost another game to put their season at two and five that night. Yet Mm -hmm. here we are on December sixth, and Jefferson Davis is ten and five, and they're the three A state champions. That is that's a pretty incredible year, right there.
2: You rip off eight in a row, and you get to carry the golden ball off the field there in uh, in Hattiesburg this year. Um, Smaller schools going at it right now with uh, Nanawaya
6: and Lumberton. I'm, I'm surprised Nanowaya already has uh, 14 points. This this game really is going to be a battle of two defenses that have played really well this year. Nanowaya's defense only allowing just over 16 points per game and Lumberton just over 13 per game. So already more scoring than I was expecting to see in this one. But Nanowaya, the defending champions in 1A, looking to make it two in a row. And uh, they've got an eight-point lead as they get close to halftime. Marquee game of
2: maybe the weekend, but certainly of this uh, this opening day happens tonight with the uh, six A foes meeting Oxford from the north, Oak Grove from the south, and uh, let, let's start with Oxford because traditionally, when you think about Oxford, you think about offense. Uh, you know, Chris Cutcliffe uh, following Johnny Hill, two guys that have a reputation for being really good offensive coaches. Uh, Oxford's got a uh, a quarterback that's a Naval Academy commitment. Uh, J.J. Pegues, one of the most highly sought-after players in the state of Mississippi, primarily on the offensive side as both uh, a tight end and as a running back. But Oxford's calling card this year has been their defense. And it was maybe most impressive, even though they gave up a few more points than they have on average for the season, most impressive maybe all season long last Friday night when they got Starkville in the, uh, the rematch and avenged their only loss of the season.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible because after Oxford lost that Little Egg Bowl in the second week of the season, everybody wrote them off. Everybody yeah. said, you know, uh, we don't care who's – Region 1 is the new Region 4, essentially. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who wins up there because the the real winner is going come to come out of Region 2. We know that. It's going to be Madison Central or Starville or South Panola, one of those type teams. But credit Oxford. They stayed in it, and when J.J. Pegues got hurt and they struggled a little bit on offense, that defense was there to hold them together. And it was kind of close at the end, but they ended up winning that region. Uh, I guess Tupelo was the next closest team, or Olive Branch, one of the two. And that region turned out to be really, really good. Olive Branch, a team that beat Madison Central, is a really good football team. But Oxford held it together with defense, like you said, Richard, something they're not known for necessarily. And then they have to replay startville a team that just ran all – or passed all over them, threw the ball all over the place on them in that second week of the season. And they rebounded. They won 25-16 to in defense comes up huge. I mean Starville had at the time the number two offense in in all of six A. They had one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the state in Luke Altmeyer, but but Oxford found a way to win and now they face an Oak Grove team that's that has just been on an absolute tear. We talked to head coach Drew Causey after the game uh uh when they beat Petal last week and he said look, he said at one point we were down. We got beat by George County. The team had given up. Uh, we it was our third loss in the row, something third loss in a row, and something like that. And he said the team had just given up. And in, in hindsight, that was actually a good thing because it allowed me to kind of hit the restart button, and we mm-hmm. did. And since then, I think they've won eight or nine straight. Yeah, eight in a row, eight in a row. And Oak Grove offense has been on a tear. So this is a battle of really good offense versus really good defense.
2: Yeah, that that Oxford startful game. Oxford jumped out to an eighteen nothing lead. And then Starfield kind of stormed back right before halftime, and then it was an absolute defensive struggle in the uh, in the second half of that game. So that one will be fun tonight. And and it's Oxford who in five A got to what was it three straight state championship games Gosh. and finished second all three times.
0: Uh, all three that last year, Coach Johnny Hill. I don't think I was heartbroken over the way that one ended. Uh, Coach Johnny Hill, who was. You know, legendary head coach who had never won a state championship. This was his third year in a row at Oxford to get to the state championship. He's retiring at the end of the year. They're playing Wayne County, who has Benito Jones. And they've got – Oxford has D.K. Metcalf and Jack Abraham at quarterback. And Benito Jones actually caught a touchdown as a tight end to get the go-ahead score Oxford gets the ball back. Marches down the field. They have a uh, get the ball down to the 1-yard line. Time is running out. They give the ball to DK Metcalf and he gets stopped short by Benito Jones. Which, people. by the way, is still in question among our, our Oxford. Yes, teams. yes, there's still people who go, "No, no, no, that is not right." They scored, they scored, uh, and, and all of this happened in Oxford. And all of it late. happened in Oxford. I mean, <laughs> That's right. You Adam couldn't write it that way. Uh, so this is their first game back since then, and I, I don't think Oxford's ever won a state title. They have uh, not. Yeah, so this is this, this is a good opportunity
6: for for Chris uh, Cutcliffe and crew. Uh, he's got a good thing going there in Oxford. And you mentioned a couple teams a little while ago in South Panola and Starkville, who many people thought were two of the favorites not only coming into the season, but as we enter the playoffs and Oxford yeah. beat both of them now to get to the state mm-hmm. title game.
2: Well, and, and going back, Will, to what you said a second ago, just kind of to make this a little bit bigger about 6A in the, the north part of the state, you know, you talked about Region 2 being the, the group that everybody goes, okay, that's where your state champion's going to come from because you've got Madison Central and you've got Starkville and you've got South Panola in that group. And it may turn out to be that way, but if Oxford were to beat Oak Grove tonight, it would be consecutive years in which the state champion has come out of Region One. That's with right. Horn Lake
0: winning it last year. That's right. It would. Uh, I th- you know, Region Two is almost like the SEC West. You just these teams beat up <laughs> on each other so much. You know. Um, but the, 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 you're right. Uh, Region one has produced, uh, you know, last year Horn Lake, the, the I think the only undefeated team in six A. or yeah, I guess the only undefeated. They won the state championship, um, you know, which is a surprise. And then you got Oxford, who was a surprise both times. It's been a surprise.
2: Um, take me a little bit deeper on Oak Grove. So a year ago, John Rice Plumley is their quarterback. They throw it some, but it's a it's a ground based offense. Have they continued to kind of play the same style of offense this year, or have they? reinvented themselves a little bit as the season has gone
6: along yeah you know it's actually been a bit more of a balanced attack for them this season uh, quarterback Damon Stewart is the guy who was tasked with taking over for a guy like John Rice Plumley, but he's thrown for 36 touchdowns this season added 10 more on the ground has over a thousand yards rushing I believe so they've really done it in more of a balanced way, rather than leaning heavily towards uh, towards the rushing game. And, and credit uh, Coach Causey because,
0: I mean, think about it: they had to replace John Rice Plumley, a guy who was the lifeblood of that team for three straight years, and here they are back in the state championship game in a season where nobody thought they would be.
2: A couple of folks reminding us on the ceasefire text line, and I think this is a good reminder because there are a lot of people that don't know or don't remember this: that Jefferson Davis County. Uh, is made up, at least in part, by what was Bassfield. And if you remember a few years ago, it was Bassfield that was dominating in, uh, what is it, 2A? Is that right?
0: 2A, and that's Lance uh, Mancusco. That's, uh, That's his, I think, eighth state title.
2: All right, Jason, you say, do they ever talk about anything less than 6A? Well, hold on tight, because that's exactly what we are going to do next. We're going to look at tomorrow's three state championship games as well. Hang tight. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio.
3: Not this Christmas.
2: Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. How about this text message on the C Spire text line? East and gags. Bring the knowledge, boys. <laughs> I like it. East and gags. <laughs> yes. Uh, How a about dynamic that duo. Says. <laughs> Steven said, didn't realize your listeners whine so much about content. Uh, content. Sounds like some people need to get a hobby. Well, whether you like what we're talking about or you wish we'd go to another uh, uh, another topic, we are glad that you are locked into Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday afternoon. So three state championship games happening today. Uh, Nannawaya taking a 14-6 lead into the half trying to win the state championship against Lumberton, and that is after earlier today, you had Jefferson Davis County uh, win the title over Knoxville County. Oxford and Oak Grove tonight, and then three more games tomorrow. Get started at 11 with Corinth and Poplarville, and then at 3 o'clock, the Northside Gators against the Taylorsville (laughs) Tartars. And then the nightcap, 5A tomorrow night, West Point and Picayune, that game will take approximately thirty-seven minutes to play the entire forty-eight-minute game, approximately. <laughs> uh, so let's let's go in order with those games tomorrow. Corinth and Poplarville. What are we looking for?
0: Uh, a lot of people would have picked Pop, uh, Corinth to be in the state championship. Uh, nobody would have picked Poplarville. Poplarville started the season one and four, uh, and. <laughs> and they were giving i think at one point they'd given up like 65 points in a game i mean it, it was it was really bad and it was not the typical popperville teams they run that i don't want to say old school but it, it's the triple option you know it's it's that type of offense and uh you know, it's it's one of those offenses that it's it, it's kind of slow, and if they get behind in the game, it's hard for them to come back. And in years past, they haven't gotten behind because they've been so good on offense. But early in the year, they really struggled. And then finally, when their defense started to pick things up, that's when Poplarville got on a roll. The the Hornets got buzzing, if you will. And uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. They, are, they find themselves here in the state championship game. They've been one of the better teams over the past couple of years, but they haven't been able to, to punch their ticket to the state title game game. Uh, and now they face a team in Corinth who is very similar to them. Corinth, in fact, I I, I think Corinth's head coach, uh, Todd Lowry, I think he – I don't know if he had – if he worked at Poplarville at one point or they had some connection with the coach there, but uh, he runs a very similar triple – option style offense so it's going to be two kind of mirrors of each other uh and Corinth has been the kind of the team of destiny in 4a uh they have one loss in the year that was to 6a's uh Tupelo Golden Wave and they lost by three points uh Corinth's a very very good team uh I, they haven't played many close games uh, I just think Corinth has the team and they have the defense too uh to win this one but I
6: could be wrong yeah, Corinth's defense um, has held their opponents to seven points or less seven different times this season. Defense is playing really well, and in the last two weeks, they beat two undefeated teams, or previously undefeated teams, in the playoffs, Itawamba, AHS, and Greenwood. And one quick point of clarification uh That Stephen that said something about whining listeners, that was not me, Stephen. That was, I believe, on the text line, just as a a quick point of clarification.
2: That's right. Did you know that Poplarville hosts an annual uh, blueberry jubilee? It includes rides, craft vendors, and rodeos? I did not know
6: that. (laughs) That sounds like a lovely time.
2: That's uh, that's thanks to our good friends at uh, at Wikipedia. (laughs) Good to know that. Northside and Taylorsville, the Tartars and the Gators, 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon.
0: Yeah, Northside is a new school. You've probably never heard of them before. They're, uh, I think they're in their second year of football. In their second year, they're already in their state championship game. And the thing to know about Northside is defense, defense, defense. Their defense has 10 shutouts this year. Now, last week, they beat Charleston 14-6. to That was the closest anyone has come to beating Northside all season long. But the defense did not give up any points in that game. Charleston scored on a turnover. Uh, so they have, I think... Ten shutouts on the year, and in the playoffs, their defense has given up a grand total of six points through four games. Hmm. Lots of defense for Northside. Their offense is pretty good, too, but when your defense is doing that well, you can score, well, two points, and you're you're good to go. And then, of course, Taylorsville, uh, Stephen, with Ike, um, Ike,
6: uh, Ty Keys. Ty Keys, sorry. Yes, so Northside's defense, like you said, has been incredible all season long, but tonight or tomorrow, the question will be, can their offense score with Taylorsville, who is led by quarterback Ty Keys? They're scoring 36 points a game. He's thrown for 41 touchdowns this season. And Taylorsville, if you remember, was in the state title game last year, and they lost to Scott Central, mm-hmm. I believe. But Ty Keys did not play in that game. Yeah, he was So better. he'll be on the field this year for the state title game. And funny enough, I read today on that offense they've got Ty Keys, the quarterback, Running back Travis Keys and wide receiver Tyrese Keys. So I'm not sure how <laughs> they are the all game. related. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, and by the way,
2: North, North Side, we were talking about just a second ago, that was the merging of Mound Bayou and North Bolivar, right?
0: I, I thought it was Broad Street and Kennedy, but I may be I, wrong. I,
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. It was, um, that there had been a previous consolidation, so okay. uh, Kennedy Memorial in uh-huh. Mound Bayou and Broad Street in Shelby, and those two came together to become Northside. And, yeah. you know, as is the case when you consolidate schools, there were differing, uh, differing opinions there. Uh, but they've certainly come together on the we, football team. We've had that a lot of times. Put it together.
0: Uh, Jefferson Davis County, when they uh, when they consolidated, that team was really good. When Cleveland Central, when Cleveland High and, and East Central, when they consolidated, they had a really good run that first year. It, it, it tends to
6: happen. If there were two schools that were just desperate for a state title, I would just get together. If I were the two principals and say, let's just get let's together. This let's this thing out. Let's win a state title. It's working for Jefferson Davis County and now Northside. West Point and Picayune tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at
2: The Rock. That will be the final, the sixth game of this weekend state championship games. And, well, that's two teams that love to run the football and have done it effectively for a really long time.
0: And and this is this is the marquee game. This is the the matchup that everybody's been kind of waiting for all season long. They knew from and, the get And the final
2: game will of Dodd-Lee's career at uh, Picayune,
0: that's right? That's right. And he's never gone undefeated. And he's got – I think he's the sixth – leading – I think he's sixth on the leaderboard as far as all-time wins for Mississippi okay. high school coaches, and he's never gone undefeated. This is his first chance – or his last chance to go undefeated, uh, and they're 14-0. He wants to go 15-0 and and win that state title. They haven't won one in quite a while. It's been, I think, 2013, whereas West Point, on the other hand, has won three straight, and they're the team you know that has been – you can almost pencil them in every year uh, – but Pickyum just seems like they have all the tools. I mean, they've scored. I think they're average. I think they're averaging something like fifty-one points a
6: game. Over uh, yeah, over fifty-two.
0: Over impressive? fifty-two. Yeah, it's An yeah. impressive stat. I and they've that only that been down. held to under forty in like one game, and that was against a six A 6A team. I mean, uh, Pickyum just has that offense. West Point, though, they've been here before. They've they faced tough teams before. Uh, and they always figure out a way to
6: win. It's something about West Point. That's They call them Point City for a reason. Well, and it's funny. You say that Picayune scores over 52 points a game, which is really impressive. But And you hear that, and you may think, well, maybe this, maybe this is like a Big 12 school or something that also gives up 51 points a game, and they just win these games like that. Their defense is only allowing 15 points per game. So they are yeah. truly dominant on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and uh,
0: as far as rushing uh, – what is it over 6000 yards this year? Is mean, some crazy
6: number like that for Picayune. Yeah, uh, running back Cameron Thomas, he actually leads the state right now. He's got over 3300 rushing yards and 48 total touchdowns. Wow. So he leads the state in both of those categories. This really is this is the the I think the
0: marquee game. It's uh and it's kind of cool. You got the uh Green Wave versus the Maroon Tide.
1: <laughs>
2: Battle of the uh, of the colors. So that's your uh, that's your primer or your ongoing update on what's happening in the uh, state championship games this year that are being played in Hattiesburg. Hey, one other thing, and you guys can hang for this if you'd like. Um, we, we spent all football season long visiting with Mike Frazier from JUCO Weekly. Last night, Mississippi Gulf Coast won its fifth national football championship in Pittsburgh, Kansas, over Lackawanna, 24-13. to They close out a perfect 2019 season. They go 12-0 and this year, and Jack Wright became the second coach in the history of the NJCAA to win a national championship with two different schools, one won one with Northwest in 2015 and now gets one at Mississippi Gulf Coast. The win for the Bulldogs broke Lackawanna's 22-game winning streak And uh, now, the 16 in a row by Mississippi Gulf Coast is the longest in the country. So, congratulations to Mississippi Gulf Coast. This was a fun year, Will, in the Mm -hmm. Juco ranks. We talked about it all season long, and uh, pretty cool to see that national championship trophy come back to the state
0: of Mississippi. That's right. Whether it's, uh, you know, East Mississippi or Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, you know, Mississippi dominating in the Juco ranks.
2: Absolutely. So um, good win for Mississippi Gulf Coast last night as well. Guys, thanks so much. It's been fun all season long talking high school football with you. You've done a great job at the preview show and the scoreboard show as well. If we got scoreboard show tonight, are we done with that?
6: We do, yes. Uh, normal time, 10 to 11.30, and then next Friday night I'm going to bed. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Steven
2: Gagliano will sleep for the first time since <laughs> August next Friday night. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Sports Talk Mississippi rolls on with you after this quick timeout in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks to Easton Gags. Will East and Steven Gagliano for joining us to talk some high school football on this state championship Friday and state championship Saturday coming up tomorrow Uh, C Spire text line is open to you and it's been pretty active this afternoon 601-879-4395 601-879-4395 let's step away from football just for a second and talk some hoops last night in Starkville Louisiana Tech shot lights out and came away from Humphrey Coliseum with a win over Mississippi State. Pretty decent basketball team. Their only losses coming into the game were at Creighton and at Indiana. They shot 62% from behind the arc last night, and Mississippi State didn't get a ton uh, out of its bench. In fact, it got very little out of its bench. In terms of starters, Nine total points from the bench. Two from Oduro and seven from DJ Stewart. Keyshawn Fiesel played as well, but was scoreless in the game. 20 points for Tyson Carter in 37 minutes, 14 points and 14 rebounds. So a strong double double for Reggie Perry. Uh, Robert Woodard, the second, had eight points and four rebounds in the game. Mississippi State shot 47%. They shot 47, 48% from behind the arc, but it wasn't enough to keep up with 12, uh, I'm sorry, 10 of 16. 63% 63% from three for Louisiana Tech.
5: Yeah, just one of those nights, right, where your opponent shoots the lights out. And there's something about Reggie Perry that I want to ask you about, since you're more of the college basketball guy than me. It just doesn't seem like they run enough offense through him. Like him getting up 10 shots in a game just seems really, really low, especially last night when he was producing. But generally speaking, he should be able to score on almost anybody he will play all season long. So is it a matter of they're not giving him the basketball or maybe there's kind of a want-to factor like he doesn't demand the ball but if a guy like him is as talented as he is is only getting up 10
2: shots a night, I think that's that's wrong. And and 3 of his 10 shots came from beyond the arc. Yeah, so he was taking- two he was 2 of 3 from deep. So he only took 7 shots inside the three-point line. In that game last night, I think there's something to that, Borky. I just candidly have not watched a ton of Mississippi State this year. They've either been playing at times when I was doing games, or you know, game wasn't on TV, and you know, had other stuff going on. So, eight games into the year, Mississippi State is six and two. Their losses are now to Villanova and Louisiana Tech. And I think you're onto something. I mean, Reggie Perry plays 34 games, pulls down 34 minutes, pulls down 14 rebounds, three of those on the offensive end and has 14 points, but to to your point just a moment ago, only 10 shot attempts. Sometimes it's hard to run your offense through a post player and he's kind of a hybrid post player, right? I mean, he's got the ability to really post up at just about any time but we know part of what the NBA wanted to see from him this year was an increased outside presence. And so there's that balance of what's best for the team versus what's best for Reggie Perry. You hit 60% of your shots in the game, get 15 shots up instead of 10.
5: And that could be the difference, especially last night. when I mean, he hit this little hook a couple of times that just is undefendable, especially when he had size on Louisiana Tech I mean, it just, if you get him the ball on the block, he showed you a couple of times last night that when he creates for himself against teams specifically like them, he can do things that they just cannot defend.
2: Uh, Jason says, I'm pretty unimpressed with State's basketball team. I saw the Liberty loss coming last year, and I don't see any difference. The problem, Borky, is that State has no half court offense. Jeff and Grenada says, Ben Howland has all that talent. Just wait until next year. That's like looking for the elusive explosive play from Moorhead. Huh. Um.
5: Yeah, we'll see what Weatherspoon does when when he comes back and how much of an impact that he has in, in facilitating offense. But it's a really tight seven-man rotation. And uh, outside of Perry, nobody's exactly scaring you offensively. It's kind of a interesting dynamic.
2: Um other SEC action. There was only one other game last night and it went to overtime. Furman and Auburn. Auburn won that game 8178. There was a little bit of a controversial call at the end of overtime on a ball that was kind of deflected away and was given to uh, I guess was given to Auburn. Um it was a one point game. Auburn hit a couple of free throws at the uh at the end to get the win. That's a good Auburn basketball team that held on for dear life. And Bruce Pearl pointed out on Twitter yesterday in a plea to get fans to the game that uh, Furman had won eight of their last ten road games. And they were certainly competitive in that uh, that game last night, uh, but came up a little bit short. Uh, it was not a great day for the Pearl River Resort Picks of the day, as uh, I, gave you, I gave you Mississippi State minus the 7.5 and, and Auburn minus the 12 and uh, went 0 for 2. Finished in second place on uh, both of those picks. Rippy is, tried to uh,
5: give you the Bears. You just wouldn't let him.
3: Did you try to give me the Bears last night? Yeah. I said Dak was bad against good defenses. He did a little stat padding in was, a game where he didn't play very well. It was fine. I think the things around him have failed him so far this year. Offensive line hasn't been very good lately. Yeah.
5: There was one point where he was 6 of the 16 for 60 awful. yards.
3: The scheme is so awful. So you're saying Kellen Moore is not the next hot offensive coordinator in the NFL? I'm saying Kellen Moore's probably not allowed to do his job because of Jason Garrett. Well, Jason Garrett's not going to get to do his job much longer either. That's fair.
2: Stephen F. Austin is at Alabama in basketball tonight. Bunch of games tomorrow. Cal State Bakersfield, led by Rod Barnes, coming back to Ole Miss. Fairly Dickinson is at Kentucky. Missouri is at Temple. Arkansas is at Western Kentucky. Look out for that one. Houston at South Carolina, that's on Sunday. Texas A&M and Texas will hook up in Fort Worth on Sunday. And Northwestern State is at LSU. So all of those games on the docket tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Glad to have you along this afternoon. So another thought or two, if you would like, uh, about Dallas and Chicago. The drama today, Jerry Jones, Jarrah, on 105.3 in Dallas at the top of the interview. He was saying this to... The host of the show. The hosts. At the beginning of the interview, get your bleep act together yourself, okay? Settle down just a little bit. I don't like your attitude. And then later... When asked if he understands questions about Garrett's job, Jerry Jones responds, Do you understand, Bull Bleep? He's and, frustrated. And they hung up on him, not on purpose,
5: but their system is rigged to where when they hit the dump button more than once in a segment, it auto hangs up. So these radio guys, who he's on with them like multiple times a week, but still. They hung up on Jerry Jones because he was cussing at him too much. They kept having to dump him because he was cussing on air. And the second dump... Here
2: you go. Program director explained that because Jerry was cursing multiple times on live air, their phone screening system automatically hung up on him. (laughs) More on Jerry Jones' frustration. What I do is I get mad and I scream in my pillow. That low, low, eerie thing you're hearing going across Dallas, that's me screaming in my pillow. To which the host responded, go fix this thing, all right? And Jerry laughed maniacally. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Somebody responded to that tweet thread and said, sounds like Jerry had bourbon for breakfast. (laughs) Ooh, how about this? Sadly, Jarrah is getting like Al Davis when he was toward the end.
5: Is there a higher profile? I mean, we've been talking coaching searches all week. Is there a higher profile coaching search in sports than the Dallas Cowboys head coach?
2: Mm, No. I don't think so. We're about to have it. Yeah, I mean, ESPN will have people absolutely camped out outside of the star in Frisco.
5: If you think rumors are annoying the way they fly around here, imagine that.
2: Oh, I don't know. It's fun, though, isn't it? I think it's great. Seems like it's a lot of fun. And it will absolutely be multiple levels of absurdity when... That happens.
5: And if there's a Saints fan listening, you got to be mentally prepared for Sean Payton to Dallas coming up. I know they gave him an extension and stuff, but that, that will be talked about and explored, I promise you.
2: More likely, sitting NFL head coach in Dallas or college coach making the transition? Lincoln Riley's the favorite, isn't he? Certainly a name that a lot of people are talking about. That's one that feels like Jerry will be intrigued by Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We will wrap up the four o'clock hour with you after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you.
3: Welcome back
5: to Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borkey, Richard Cross, Brian Scott Rippey with you. And you may not be on social media locked into it like I am and we are, but uh, my. Twitter timeline is filled with nothing but Lane Kiffin gifts, And you know what's going to happen, Rippy? They're gonna, feet? They're going to get beat by 21 tomorrow because they had a disinterested coach, coach and everybody's going to be freaking out because of it. Uh,
3: Probably. But, I mean, <laughs> certainly understandable.
5: It's fascinating. And the thing is, like, I've seen some national people praise it. So, for whatever that may be worth to you. Uh, a couple texts here. John and Greenwood says, Crazy fact, Ole Miss outscored opponents this year, even though they only won four of their 12 games. 319 to 318. What does that mean to you?
3: They were okay against bad teams. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um... College Football Fix
2: is just around the corner. We'll do that to uh, start the 5 o'clock hour. We've got picks that we will make on this championship weekend, uh, give you a bit of a coaching search update. I guess I can go ahead and give you that now, and then we'll, we'll kind of circle back to it. Um, anybody that's telling you at this point that the deal with Lane Kiffin is done is inaccurate. However, the reports that this thing is trending... Toward Lane Kiffin being the next head football coach at Ole Miss, that is 100% accurate. But it's not done yet. Yeah, you got a, got a lot of moving pieces. You've got Lane Kiffin coaching a game tomorrow. Uh, you got Mike Norvell coaching a game tomorrow. And Mike Norvell has been adamant about not announcing anything or making any decisions until Memphis's game is done. Uh, that is a. That that per, This particular Memphis team means a lot to Mike Norvell. And tomorrow is the biggest game in the history of Memphis football. They got a chance to win a conference title, get to a uh, a group of six bowl, uh, an access bowl, most likely the Cotton Bowl. And that means a lot to Mike Norvell, and it means a lot to Memphis. And, you know, if, if you're not a Memphis fan, you can kind of laugh about it or roll your eyes about it, but try to put yourself in the spot that Memphis is in. They've been really good to Mike Norvell. He's paid at a really high level, making almost $3 million at a group of five school. And he feels like he owes it to Memphis to give it his all. So, uh, again, everything at 5 o'clock on this Friday afternoon is trending toward Layden Kiffin being announced, what, on Monday at a press conference as the next head coach of Ole Miss? But it is not done yet. Is that sufficiently ambiguous?
5: Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense.
2: That's just where it is right now. I mean, that is...
5: Uh, ink hasn't dried
2: yet. or No, there, there, there's no ink yet. Yeah. The, the, there's no ink. I mean, they, they may have the contract drawn up and the pen sitting on a table ready for a contract to be signed, but as of right now, that has not happened. So you know, w- w- will will it happen tonight? Will it happen tomorrow? Will it happen immediately after? FAU plays their game tomorrow. I, I don't know, uh, and maybe that's semantics at this point. Um, but it is it is absolutely trending in the direction of Lane Kiffin being named the head coach at Ole Miss. And you know, I mean, if you're reading between the lines, and, and this certainly isn't official at this point. But all signs point to Mike Norvell ultimately taking the job at Florida State. And I don't think any of that at this point is a surprise. No, and
5: I saw Dennis Dodd, and it's not his report. This is just something that happened. Uh, Florida State's athletic director sent an email to season ticket holders and and donors and people like that asking for a one-time 20% increase in this month's donation to help them with the search.
2: Well, and that was that was what? That was after they fired Willie Tiger, right? I saw this today. Yeah, I think that news was out there. there the, it was either the president or the athletics director that made a plea to Florida State fans to help us out because it's expensive to get rid of Willie. <laughs> and obviously they want to hire another guy going forward as well. So... Uh, That's where we are right now. 14-9. Nanawaya leading over Lumberton in the third quarter. So Lumberton has gotten a little bit closer. was 14-6. They've kicked a field goal. Jefferson Davis County won 25-15 over Knoxville earlier today. Oxford and Oak Grove coming up tonight. Kickoff at 7 o'clock in Hattiesburg. And then tomorrow at 11, Corinth and Poplarville at 3. Northside and Taylorsville. And then at 7, West Point and Picayune. That's happening all in Hattiesburg State Championship games this weekend. Going to make our Pearl River Resort college football picks when we come back for the college football fix with you and then get into a whole lot more. Back after this, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, Understanding You. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm, 5 o'clock hour, on this Friday. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over, 100 years. So if you're a farmer in North Mississippi and you've got uh, any kind of money needs, whether it's buying a new piece of property to enlarge the size of the farm, got to get some new equipment, whether it's tractor, combine, cotton picker, one of those tall boy sprayers, whatever it is, uh, maybe you want to refinance an existing loan or get your production loans in line for next year, let Mississippi Land Bank work with you. They work with farmers. They are in the farming business themselves and uh, they understand the uh, the difficulty that goes along with that business. That's why you can trust Mississippi Land Bank. Great people, locations all across North Mississippi. Check them out online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. You can start your search there. But really, all you're going to do is start there because you need to visit with your local Ford dealers. Stop by and talk to them about the great savings that they've got going on, including up to 20% off retail prices on year-end models for 2019 trucks and SUVs. Maybe it's time for you to get into an Explorer or an Expedition, Or the award-winning, best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years, the Ford F-150. That's what I drive. It's what I've been driving for about a decade. And if I have anything to do with it, which I guess I do, it's what I'll be driving for a decade to come as well. Unless unless somewhere along the way I decide to step up to the Super Duty, it's just probably more truck than I actually need, but man, they're nice. Anyway, uh, a bit of an aside there, uh, as I was just kind of thinking out loud. Uh, Ford sponsors the College Football Fix Test Drive One today. Borky, you ready to make some picks? Yeah, let's do it. Our picks are brought to you by Pearl River Resort. Our Pearl River Resort College Football Championship Weekend picks. Check out the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge at the Golden Moon Casino in Philadelphia. Lots going on there, and what a fun place to spend part of Bowl season. Yeah, New Year's Day. Maybe you go New Year's Eve and you celebrate and you spend the night and then you hang out in the sports book and watch bowl games from 11 a.m. or 10 a.m., whatever time the first game kicks off until late on New Year's night. Whatever it is, let uh, the Golden Moon and the Pearl River Resort be part of your plans. If the weather's nice, you can either sneak, even sneak out, play a little golf at Dancing Rabbit while you are there. So we will start with the Pac-12 championship game which is happening about two hours from right now. Utah is a seven-point favorite at 6 o'clock, which is an hour after they kick off uh, West Coast time. 60% chance of rain. Goes up to 80% at 7 o'clock. Goes up to 90% and stays there until 11 o'clock. Temperature's going to be in the low 60s. I don't know if that factors into how you pick this game one way or another, Certainly, Utah is the more physical of the two teams. The matchup to watch is Utah's defensive line, which is one of the two or three best in the entire country, against Oregon's offensive line, which is one of the two or three best in the entire country. Utah, seven-point favorite. What do you think? Forky?
5: Feel, feels like if the weather is going to be like that, the more physical football team should be the one that handles the weather, right? Like, that's just kind of how the sport works, generally speaking. Okay. And Utah, especially on the defensive front, is more physical than Oregon, or they should be. So I'll take the team that is supposed to be better in the trenches, and that's Utah.
2: I've only, like, picked Utah and really watched them closely one time all season long, and they lost to Southern Cal. I think it's time Without to get out Moss. Yeah, I think it's time to get back on the Utah train tonight. I'll lay the seven in the slop at Levi's Stadium tonight, taking Utah and uh, giving up the points.
3: I stuck the pronunciation on the podcast today. Did you? Like a split hog? What'd you say? Utah and Oregon. There you go. Origami. Who you got? Hmm. Hmm. This seems like a lot for an Oregon team that had one bad game, but I'd probably go Utah. I think they need to win and probably – like this seems to be style point weekend in years past for certain teams, particularly when we had the BCS. I know it's not as much so at the playoff, but doesn't it feel like they – particularly if they get up early, they're going to need to roll. Okay. Uh,
2: Borky, Baylor is getting nine points against Oklahoma, and it feels like everybody in the free world is picking Oklahoma. Yeah, and so that's why I'll take Baylor. It
5: seems like Oklahoma's kind of struggled to the finish. I mean, in close, sloppy games, not played well, turned the football over, and Baylor did have a 25-point lead against this Oklahoma team. I know it was at home, but still. So I'll take the points and fade the public.
3: Rippy? Yeah, I actually think Baylor, too. I mean, that's a lot of points. Oklahoma's really stumbled down the home stretch of the season. They handled Oklahoma State with a backup quarterback, I believe, okay the last week, but I think I'll go Baylor here.
2: Okay. I will, uh, I'll stick with the favored team and uh and take Oklahoma as i think Oklahoma believes that they've got a chance to get to the playoff if LSU wins Oklahoma uh, wins i think Oklahoma feels like they will jump utah and whether they will or not is an altogether different story but i think that's what they're playing for tonight or tomorrow and uh, i think it'll show up of course baylor might believe the same thing they've also got only one loss on the season. No so. one's really
3: talking about Baylor. Though. They're not. Should they be? I think so. I mean, never know. If it comes down to Utah and Baylor, what do you do?
5: I
6: think LSU they'll wins, go with Utah. Utah
3: wins, Baylor wins. Who has the worst U- loss? U- Utah will be in. Why?
2: Because that's two how they've spot, ranked them spots up into this in front point.
3: of them. But haven't we all told me all year that the current rankings to the final ones don't matter?
2: Yeah, but you just asked me what's going to happen. I just told you what's going to happen if it plays out that way. You didn't ask me if I thought it was right or not. No, I didn't ask that. You but said what's going to happen. If LSU wins, Utah wins, and Baylor wins, who's going to be in? No, I asked why. You don't get to amend your question. I don't think that's what you asked.
3: I didn't amend. I said I literally said, why? In the same tone that really gets Haydad going. <laughs> like when I asked him why he didn't order dessert at lunch or something. It's like I just did. That? But yeah. why? Because I didn't want. But, but why did you not? You don't even have to go two words. You just go, why? He he gets. Yeah, he gets real fired up about he, he, that. He doesn't like that. <laughs> uh,
2: Cincinnati is at Memphis AAC Championship Game 230 on ABC Memphis a nine and a half point favorite. I think Memphis wins this game, but I think it's closer than the nine and a half. And I'm going to go out on the limb. This thing closed to like twelve last
3: week when they played. Right, fourteen. Yeah. Okay. I thought I knew it was something. Yeah. Way, uh... big,
2: big line adjustment. Um, I'm just going to go with the idea that distractions. This is a terrible pick, by the way. Memphis may boat race them tomorrow, but I'm going to I'm going to play the distraction card and see if Cincinnati can get it done. I'll take Cincinnati plus the nine and a half.
5: Borky, same here. I actually agree with everything you just said.
3: Rippy, yeah, I actually agree with all of that. So, jeez, oh, I should go back and take Memphis. Well, hey, Dad takes Memphis and. He's not with us anymore.
2: Uh, LSU, a seven-point favorite against the Georgia Bulldogs, might be close for a while, but LSU is going to pull away late. They're going to win it by two, maybe two and a half touchdowns. Take LSU, lay the points.
3: This game is my memory wrong, or is Georgia? This is the third straight year Georgia's in this game. That is a true statement. Seems to be this is the the game they always kind of have they've kind of lie after lying in the weeds in a weak SEC East. This is kind of when they make a statement until Kirby kind of pees down his leg in the last four minutes. True statement. I think I'm going Georgia here, and I think Kirby actually gets it done this time. Georgia uh, wins. Who wrong team favored? No, I will. Well, yeah, I guess technically if I pick that, but more so I think there's uh, chaos. Get to eight teams. This is it. If there were ever a time to do it. I'm kind of pulling for that, because then you're going two SEC teams in the playoff. I mean, it just seems like a a perfect Kirby game where they control the clock. Burrow stays on the sideline a lot. It's 17-14 with like five minutes to go in the game, and you're wondering how in the world LSU's only put up 14 points. By the way, I'm really, really disappointed not to be there. It's only
2: the second SEC championship game I've missed since 2007. The uh, the Oxford Chargers getting to the state championship kind of uh, threw a little bit of a wrinkle in our plans this year, so uh, I will be watching it from a hotel room in Columbia, South Carolina tomorrow afternoon, and, uh, instead of sitting inside the uh, inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Borky, who you got? LSU or Georgia?
5: LSU and uh, explosive offense might kind of run away with this one.
2: Okay, got two more to get to. We'll look at the ACC and the Big Ten championship games when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you.
3: Naughty and nice. Back with you on Sports Talk
2: Mississippi, streaming online. Borky's in full-on Christmas music mode. Love it. Love it. Do you listen to Christmas music in the car this time of year, Borky?
5: I do, yeah. Um, It's mostly, you know, one of our podcasts or re-listening to the show. I'm not in the car much anymore, but when I... Don't have any of those to catch up on. Then, yeah, I'll pop on some Christmas music.
2: There you go. I feel like uh, my wife's car is living on uh, a couple of Christmas music channels this time of year. Uh, You want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. John in Oxford asking if uh, the show podcast today will be on iTunes. Yes, it will, and appreciate, uh, John, you listening that way. Good to be with you this afternoon. Uh, the, from, from a news standpoint, today has been semi-quiet on the coaching search front, uh, but I have gotten confirmation in the last oh, 25 minutes or so that um, while an agreement has not been signed... Everything is trending 100% toward Lane Kiffin being named head coach at Ole Miss. And barring something crazy, I think you can expect a press conference on Monday. It's big time. I I don't know how to say it any more straightforward than that. So, it's pretty clear, man. Um, Is that to say that something couldn't go crazy? Of course not. I mean, it's coaching searches and contracts aren't signed, and you got lots of schools that want jobs, and people become irrational with some of the decision-making they make uh, this time of year in terms of money. And so that possibility does exist, but there is nothing at 5.23 on Friday afternoon that leads me to believe that that is going to be the case. Riffy's got a story that's about to pop on uh, Super Talk Mississippi where you can read a few more details and read a little bit about Lane Kiffin's background as well before this uh, becomes official.
3: Are you pressing send? No, 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 My F button stuck, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> <laughs> would have been good if- I, wish, I wish I were lying. <laughs> it would have been been good if it had been stuck that one day, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. But, you know. Yeah. I set the bar pretty low. So, uh, we've talked about this a lot
2: this week. Uh, let's circle back to this. We need to pick these last two games. Virginia against Clemson. Clemson is a 28-and-a-half point favorite in the ACC championship game. I'm taking the Wahoo Wahs getting 28-and-a-half. half they got a really good quarterback, some really good players. Defensively, they're not terrible. That's a big number. Well, Clemson's been really good lately. But I'll take UVA and lay and uh, and get the 28.5. Borky? I'm taking
5: Clemson, even though the line is huge. Dabo has been unnecessarily pissed off this week. I think that'll translate to a motivated football team, and they'll send a message to everybody else that they belong, even though we all knew and agreed that they belong. Uh, he still has to prove it, and I think they will.
3: Rippey? I think it's too many. I'll mostly agree with what Borky's saying. So who are you taking? who's Wahoo wah! Do they score more points than their hoops team? Uh,
2: no. They're not putting 40 on the board. They'd have a shot with 30. Ohio State minus 16 and a half against Wisconsin. Second time these two teams have met. First time wasn't terribly close. I'll say OHIO. Porky. Yeah,
5: same here. I think they've got some issues in the secondary that might get exposed when they play a Clemson or an LSU in the playoff. But Ohio State's front seven uh, will be able to shut down to a degree Jonathan Taylor, and then they'll score a million points. So, yeah, they'll cover 16 and a half.
3: Rippy, Borkey, you're messing up. If you pick one way on the podcast and another way on the radio show, you're technically undefeated on the season. Which I is picked Ohio
5: I State it. on the podcast,
3: so now you went Wisconsin. I just went Ohio State again. No, that's the point. If you go the opposite way on the radio show than you did oh, on the podcast, oh, oh, I, I wrong. thought you
5: were calling me so, out, not giving me no, advice.
3: No, 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 Wisconsin. I'm giving you advice here, Wisconsin. Okay, I went Ohio State on the pod. Fair enough. Chalk that up in the win column.
2: It's going to be a fun weekend in college football. I love that we're going to get some bad weather football tonight as well. In the Pac-12 championship game. Rain. A little it's kind slot.
3: of odd. Yeah. You wouldn't really expect that in... I guess more so than Southern California, but yeah. still. Yeah.
2: No uh, no doubt. Uh, Jason says, oh, Borky said a bad word. Throw him out the window. Did you say a bad word, Borky? I missed that. No. Okay.
5: Well, I, well, I said... Uh, a pissed off Dabo but that easy
3: cuff
2: him got to be careful
5: Are you guys trolling me right now?
2: 100%.
5: Yeah, I was about to say you're starting to sound like Hey dad on me.
2: Lock him up. Um John and Greenwood with regard to Lane Kiffin, says his backstory is pretty much doing what is best for him. Well, doing what is best for him is winning
3: football games right now. So, Welcome to the college football coaching industry.
2: John also said, I told a State fan after Ole Miss lost to Memphis that I thought that Memphis would go undefeated and play in a New Year's Six Bowl. They were two points from undefeated at a loss on the road to Temple. Honest opinions. Could State beat Memphis if they were playing tomorrow night instead of Memphis playing Cincinnati? Um could they sure they could would they though yeah that's a good question I mean y- yes I-, I-, I go with yes they could in the same way that yes old Miss could have beaten Memphis in the opener but I do don't think that Mississippi State would hold Memphis to 15 points the way that Ole Miss did in the opener, in the same way that I don't think Ole Miss would hold Memphis to 15 points if they played tomorrow. I do think Ole Miss would score more than 10, like they did, and certainly I think Mississippi State would as well. I'd say uh, it's a really interesting question. So Lane Kiffin. What do you think? This
5: splash. It's a splash. It'll generate excitement right away. His introductory press conference, which I said on the podcast today, don't expect to be blown away. He's not like press conference charisma guy. He's pretty chill, laid back kind of dude. He's not going to give some speech about family and wildernesses and all that crap. That's that's not who he is. But it's instant credibility. It's instant fan engagement, polarization, all
2: that stuff. In Borky in his introductory press conference in Knoxville, that's when Lane Kiffin, in almost like a monotone voice, said, can't wait for us to be singing Rocky Top again in the swamp. And it got a lot of play. (laughs) Yeah. But that's
5: kind of how he is, right? He's just monotone and just kind of... Hanging out and, yeah, can't wait to go beat those Gators. Um, It's all of those things. But I think what will get lost in all of this is what Keith Carter has done on two weeks on the job with a hire that was scrutinized and by no fault of his own because of previous processes. But he, he took over the job, fired a football coach, which made a lot of certain people mad, including the team. Fired the volleyball coach for good measure. And now he's about to conduct a search that by all accounts has done really well and ends up with Lane Kiffin. That's pretty impressive no matter how yeah, you want to spin it. And it takes uh, the intestinal fortitude to hire that kind
2: of guy too. Among Ole Miss fans, Keith Carter's Q rating right now is off the charts. He 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 has he is absolutely he was announced as AD two weeks ago today. Two weeks ago today, and in two weeks, has made one decision that some people were frustrated with, but overwhelmingly was supported by the Ole Miss fan base in making a change in the head coach. And he's about to hire Lane Kiffin, and there are certainly detractors. This is not a this is not a one hundred percent buy in. But it's pretty strong. And it's not only pretty strong among people that are our age. It is strong in the business community. Because the local economy needs the boost from the football team being good and there being excitement again. And I can speak to that from personal experience.
1: On Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
2: You on Sports Talk Mississippi, Richard Cross and Michael Borkey and Brian Scott Rippy on Friday afternoon, rolling into the weekend. Glad to have you along for the ride. It'll be a part of the show. You can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Some news out of Mississippi State today. Cam Dantzler is foregoing his senior year at Mississippi State to enter the NFL draft. Uh, he tweeted, God has a plan for me. I want to thank everyone for the success I have had at Mississippi State. I want to thank my teammates, the coaches, and the best fans in the world for this wonderful journey. I will never forget the fun times we had. Hashtag Hail State. Put a graphic there also and... Uh, says, I'm excited to announce I will be foregoing my senior year and entering the 2020 NFL Draft. Um, Brian Haydad, uh, as a follow-up tweet, mentioned that uh, just got confirmation from an MSU spokesman, Cam Dantzler is not planning on playing in Mississippi State's bowl game. So no cam dancer for Mississippi State in the Music City slash Liberty slash Texas slash Belk Bowl.
5: And that's got some people fired up. Even Errol Thompson wrote on Twitter that if you played this season, you should finish it out. Something like that. That's not a direct quote. But seemingly in direct reference to to this right here. And I mean, every year we have this same conversation, right? Should players sit out bowl games? Uh, a lot of people... I assume listening right now will will say no, that Cam Danzler should play. It's tough because, I mean, my dad used to always teach me, right? And something I hope that I can teach my son is when you start something, finish it out first. Don't quit. See it till the end. Even if you aren't happy, don't like it, whatever. But I myself have never been faced with generational, life-changing wealth. And that's what could be potentially facing Cam Dantzler. I mean, there are some mock drafts that even have him as a first-round pick. Even if he falls yeah. to the second, that's still life-altering money. And sure. so how am I to sit here and say, you should risk life-altering money to play in the Liberty Bowl?
2: I don't think that's yeah, right. somebody either. that responded to uh, hey Dad's tweet that said, he's got a young son and has a top three-round grade. Don't fault the young man. He's not playing for just himself. And hey, Dad said, I didn't fault him at all. And then the tweet that you're talking about from Errol Thompson said, if you invested everything into your university and teammates, you'll play in your bowl game. So that's his opinion. But you're right. I mean, this is a, you know, Cam Danceler makes a decision that he believes is in his best interest. He got to the end of this season and is healthy or relatively healthy at, uh, at this point and now he will turn his focus to uh, to ne- what's next. Have have there been any other announcements at this point? We, we know they're coming it with appears regard to players who are not playing in bowl games.
5: Errol Thompson tweeted something like unfinished business, which is the tagline most guys use when they're coming back to school, although that wasn't an official. like There was not a graphic attached to it. It's really all he said, but most people are assuming that that's what he meant. Otherwise, no Kylan Hill, no Willie Gay. Tom, or Dantzler is the
2: first domino to fall, at least officially. Gotcha. 1A state championship game has gone final. Nana wins 28-13 over Lumberton. Congrats to my buddy Bart Gregory, who works with uh, Mississippi State's foundation and their radio crew and their SEC network crew and is, uh, I guess, a Nanawaya alum. His team wins a state championship. Lots of other Nanawaya alums out there. I just happen to know that that's Bart's school. So the 1A state champs, the Nanawaya Warriors, won 28-13 over Lumberton. That is uh, on the heels of earlier today, Noxabee County dropping... The state championship game to Jefferson Davis County, 25-15. One more game tonight, Oxford and Oak Grove kickoff at 7 o'clock in Hattiesburg at M.M. Roberts Stadium. And then tomorrow, three games, 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, Corinth and Poplarville, followed by Northside and Taylorsville at 3, and then at 7 tomorrow night, West Point and Picayune. By the way, somebody corrected me earlier and said that Taylorville is actually their mascot is actually pronounced as the Tartars, even though it is spelled Tartars. Good to know. I will file that away. I actually think Tartars would be better. Um Jim and Caledonia. I am no longer an angry old Miss fan. Matt Luke is gone. I'm looking forward to whoever they hire. Good job, guys. As always, that's Jim in Caledonia. Um, John in Greenwood, talking about Memphis. After the 15 they put up against Ole Miss, the lowest amount Memphis scored was 28, and that was in the loss to Temple. Other than those two games, Memphis has had has only 35 and up for their other 10 games, including 54, 52, and 55. They've been good offensively. What are Ole Miss fans excited about? Hadn't Lane been run off from every head coaching job except FAU? He left Tennessee on his own.
5: They're still mad about it up there.
2: Yeah, some are, but weren't some tweeting him to come back? Yeah, <laughs> they went full circle
5: after they lost to Georgia State. It was like, oh crap, we got to get back, that guy back right now. It's, I mean, it's interesting. He's got a track record of being a very, very, very good football coach, but like getting run off from the Raiders. What was he? Thirty-one when he was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders uh, under an owner that could never field a good team under an owner that thought Jamarcus Russell was the second coming. I mean, how much can you hold having one bad season in Oakland, even though he handled it pretty terribly, uh, against a guy? I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that i I'm curious about. Because he's got the most extensive resume of all of these candidates. And we have people telling us that, oh, well, I mean, he wouldn't work. You saw that he got ran off here. Well, he's also a guy that won 10 games under massive sanctions at
2: Southern Cal. Or you had somebody send me a text message. And I think this is fair. The message says, you got to give Glenn Boyce some props, too. So, if we rewind two months, you go back to that strange scene in the ballroom of the end at Ole Miss in which Glenn Boyce had been hired under kind of screwy circumstances. And you've got protests, and he's coming for his introductory press conference, and ultimately he gets canceled. And he does kind of a conference call. And since then has laid very low from a public standpoint. But as much has been made about the job that Keith Carter has done in two weeks, Keith Carter does not have the ability to make a change in football coach if the chancellor doesn't sign off on it. And Keith Carter does not have the ability to go and hire Lane Kiffin if the chancellor doesn't sign off on it. Here's what I'll say about Glenn Boyce at this point. The circumstances through which he got the Chancellor's job are always going to be part of his legacy. Whether it's a short legacy, a long legacy, there's good, there's bad, whatever. And we talked about the fact that when he was hired, he was digging himself out of a hole. Well, he's done a lot of digging in the last couple of weeks. And probably in the eyes of a lot of Ole Miss people, not all, But a lot of Ole Miss people, he's now back at ground level. And the question moving forward was or or moving forward is okay, he's made some difficult decisions or has allowed some difficult decisions to be made on the athletics department side of things. Now what about on the university side? Can he rally the faculty? can he turn the trend of declining enrollment around can they start to raise money and actually get the stem building built that's over next to the north end zone of the football stadium it's been a big dirt lot that Jeffrey Vitter bumbled and stumbled and that's the reason construction hasn't even begun on that can he turn all those things around an opportunity now exists for Glenn Boyle uh, Glenn Boyce excuse me to really start to kind of make his mark here's the last thing I would say to you people that have visited with him one-on-one have come away with impressed uh, come away impressed think he's got to get out
4: in front of the public now.